This is Mission Disco, a conversation about imagination, innovation, and Christian mission in Ireland and beyond. I am Simon Kilpatrick. And I am Brian Sanders. We are your DJs for this conversation. We do have a guest with us uh, today, Matthew. We're going to let you. Maybe Simon will give your CV because we know that really matters to everyone. <laughs> we only bring the top minds Absolutely. to Mission Disco. So clearly, if you're here de facto, that means yeah, you're mind. a genius. You're, you're master level. This is going to be a master class in coaching. Which I think is what this we're talking is one about. of the best guests we've ever had, experts <laughs> in this field. Uh, Matthew can introduce his journey through coaching. But uh, Matthew has uh, done extensive coaching all around the world. He's an international coach. He's an coach, international coach. Worked with nonprofits and governments and world leaders and <laughs> <laughs> lots of different people. You are taking a piss, but it's slightly, yeah. He is, it's actually no, not no. far from the truth. No, so. it's not. So he has uh, had a lot of experience, but actually, and I've said it to Matthew a few times, I think he had the kind of ability to coach before he did the course. But yeah, do tell us a little bit about your journey, how you got into it, yeah. and why you're now an international coach. <laughs> well, I, I, should, I should say too, by way of preface, that um, we have identified, and part of why we're, we're bringing this, both you, your expertise, your experience, um, is because we have identified coaching as some a, a, a sort of emerging critical skill for people in ministry and a mission, and so it, it I just just to kind of frame it for you, you know, probably people would have been trained 10, 20, 30 years ago when they were trained for ministry, they were trained with certain set of skills to produce mm -hmm. a certain kind of church, yeah. you know. Um, and because we see the future of the church changing, the face of the church is changing into something a little more autonomous, empowered, smaller, networked, um, creative, responsive, adaptive, those kind of ideas. Well, okay, well then what are the new set of skills or competencies that we would need then to lead that kind of church? And I would just put coaching up there probably yeah. in the like top two or three mm -hmm. um, skills we have to somehow cultivate or learn. So it may be that we have to look outside of ourselves, outside of the church milieu, for the answers for how to maybe do it. Um, but so that's that's part of why we're inviting you here because we do feel like it's this critical s skill, not just to learn generally about coaching. It's an interesting topic and so on. But but how will we be effective leaders of the, the church in the coming years? You know, and of you know mission and so on so but do tell tell us a little bit about your journey and how you how you became an international best-selling coach <laughs> i can advertise my book huh? your forthcoming books. your forthcoming um yeah so let me see i suppose my journey into coaching started um really with you know when i graduated I thought what do I want to do with my life what do I want to do when I grow up and I had no clue <laughs> except that I knew that I wanted to work with people and I've always had a passion to work with people and in particular I'm always interested in I've always been interested in how can people change mm. uh, in positive ways in uh, can people develop and so I worked uh, in student ministry for five years, 
five long years in UCD. <laughs> um, so that's, I, what, that's where we met, wasn't it? Yeah, so that's, I think, that's, that's I think a swan yeah. a swan may have attacked me. I think you would UCD. Swan. No, that's not how I, I remember the, it. But anyway, you threw your coat. Please go swan. on. Please go. <laughs> There's you have awful swans at UCD. I just yeah. want to point that out. Anyway. So I basically, uh, yeah, so I, looking back now, how do I define my role? Like a few different parts of it. Obviously, there was the, the mission part and just chatting to students in the UCD arts block and the restaurant about questions of faith and God and the gospel and all those kinds of questions. Um, and then there was the part where you were actually building relationships with students and in a sense, accompanying students on their spiritual journey. And um, so I was engaged in discipleship. Now, as I look back on that, there is a lot like, you know, who knows who they are at the age of 19. And so we, I'd be meeting with students, facilitating Bible studies, all these kind of things. But one of the things that I was doing was, I suppose, a type of mentoring, meeting one on one and um, just talking through a range of issues with students, spiritual, emotional, all those kind of questions. And I realized that I, I don't want to just be someone that's just telling these students what to do. Mm. I don't want to just, um, like, because that would, in terms of behavior change and somebody changing, that didn't seem to do that much. Mm. Oh, this is what worked for me, so you should just do this. Mm. And a lot of mentoring, and actually what I had seen anyway, a lot of discipleship runs down like that. It does, doesn't what it? do yeah. you read in this passage uh this is how i see it you know how do you see it but then this is how you should really see it you know mm -hmm. so i i was becoming more and more frustrated with i don't know what is the point in this conversation and i realized that actually i having had a few coaching conversations with myself with with people that were actually coaches i realized that that's what i want to i'd love to have those kinds of conversations with students where I'm not providing the answers, but I'm helping to unlock, mm -hmm. helping them to unlock or unleash those answers. So um, having, I had a, I had a, a mentor, a professional mentor, somebody that was just looking out for me really, um, was a real passionate supporter in the work that I was doing, but also a passionate supporter in me. And she really recommended that I actually upskill and go and qual uh, become a, qualified <laughs> coach and um trained to become a coach at this time i knew i was moving to ethiopia um with my wife fiona's work so i was also thinking about upskilling but my the reason that i really got into coaching was because of those conversations that i was having mm -hmm. with students mm -hmm. and wanting to have better conversations um, and in as well as that i also did uh, strength finders it's a yeah. And my top strength that came out of that was developer. Oh, and it was ne I, I was always very focused on the the missional side of my work in student ministry. Mm -hmm. Didn't I? Didn't I? It, and so I was surprised in a sense that developer came out first. And so um, that really, I really thought to myself, yeah, I really love the idea of helping people develop. So from there, I trained. I went back uh, and did a, a university diploma in leadership coaching, executive coaching which was over the course of eight months and um, with your training, building your hours and things like that. And I, that's how I became a executive. <laughs> and you landed in Ethiopia, not knowing what you'd be able to do, but actually ended up getting into loads of 
uh, contact with people all around Africa. Uh, yeah, coaching. It was it was, am- it was amazing. <laughs> it was that. an amazing experience because I went. I did have a qualification in coaching. I finished my coaching diploma, but I went to Ethiopia not knowing what I'd be able to do or how I'd be able to use it, having built up a, a certain amount of pro bono hours. And I was sitting in the Irish pub in Addis Ababa um, within my first week. And um, I bumped into a director of a, an Irish NGO there. And he said, what do you do? Because that's the question you ask. What do you do? And I said, gosh, I don't know how to answer this. I'm a coach. <laughs> Usually when you say you're a coach, people say, coaching what? Football, singing. <laughs> um, and I said, I'm a coach anyway. I coach leaders and I help leaders understand themselves more and try to find solutions to the obstacles that they're facing and he said oh that's exactly what i need for my leadership team would you come and coach me coach my me and my team and so i did that and from there it just developed so i started working in ethiopia in kenya in um different uh whether it's ngos or international organizations or local businesses um and I just, it really just took off. It was like, it was a very small pool of people who I was working with. Or sorry, it, it's a very small pool of um, of coaches that I, that I was working with. So there were hardly any qualified coaches mm. in Ethiopia. And so it was just this really big market of mm. and not too many people coaching. Cool. I, I think it would be helpful at the start to kind of maybe define what coaching is because I think there's probably people listening and there's people who've been doing coaching and doing it but without calling it that because I think mentoring has been a big thing in Ireland and people probably are aware what mentoring is could and I know Brian you've it's done a lot of coaching yeah. stuff with um, the underground as well but like how would you define what coaching is and how is it different to mentoring how is it different to managing people you talked about you know helping people do bible studies mentoring what what would the difference be how would you mm. define those so I yeah I this surprised me a lot because I still even though I had a a real dream to to coach people and develop people i still was unaware of what the ingredients of it were and i remember being very surprised when i went i was i studied in the imi irish management institute and day one i thought okay i'm gonna get lots of skills now i'm gonna get lots of you know techniques of how to really sit down with a person and in a sense dazzle them like a magic trick you know really and they'll just come away amazed and i was so surprised because I remember day one, they said 80% of coaching is about your ability to be present with another person and put your attention on them and create a space for that person to their, to do their best thinking. I thought, and I, I really was encouraged by that because I knew actually a lot of coaching first starts with the person you are and what you can the space you can create so things like your ability to be present your ability to listen Hmm. uh, your ability to ask good questions to be curious about the other person and their experience and how they've come to this point um and to build rapport to be able to build a relationship with them and um so those were so those that 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 really struck me early on, and I remember there was this author that they quoted a lot uh, called Nancy Klein, and she said that the mind, the human mind, works best 
in the form of a question. And that stuck with me because we apparently when we're told to do something, we're kind of unless it's an emergency. So unless there's a fire in this building, let's all get out. The mind obeys. But if we're just told to do something, we Mm. we just resist. And we don't necessarily remember and we kind of have our own ideas anyway. But when you ask somebody a question and then you just shut up, that person has to what are they going to do with that question? And they have to think. Mm-hmm. And it's typically there that people will begin thinking more creatively, will begin thinking outside the box. But you have, you've just asked the question. Yeah. Um, and so that are, those are some of the ingredients that I think are important in coaching. And I would really stress the attention bit, mm. like your ability to stay attentive, which is mm. a very difficult thing for people to do more and more but to be attentive to not only what they're saying but they're non-verbal so they sigh and you just pick up that what was that sigh or they um you know their body language they move away from you you ask a question they're uncomfortable what's what's uncomfortable about that question and um as well as keeping your own attention because something that i found as being a little bit of a younger coach um it can be very easy to be sitting with someone and to go inside your own head a bit and think, I'm too young, or what's the next good question that I'm going to ask? Mm. Or, And you've got to just keep your attention on them. And so that's important. Being able to listen is important. Um, I, I, I feel like that, just to key on that, that's really the mass, the big difference between mentorship and coaching is <clears throat> we would call it inquiry-based this is this is about discovery and about caring about the other person and you don't bring the answers you aren't the expert so in a mentoring kind of model you have the expert and the novice right you have the the person that's been down this road like mm-hmm. so if you take an executive this is the the guy who's been doing it for 20 30 years and this is the new one so you're the old guy is teaching the new guy the new thing so the key then is passing on knowledge right being smarter, you have to. So, being young, that's going to create a problem if you think, well, this person exactly. actually knows more than me. But the irony, of course, is that everybody knows more than you about their life and their context mm. and their calling. Mm. This is why coaching is so critical, I think, in our time because we're waking up to the reality that no one really can be an expert for another person's life. No one can really top down, just download, this is what you ought to do. It really is about listening and about asking the right questions. And I love your, I love your sort of emphasis on attention because I think, I think part of what I hear you saying is about love. It's about genuine care and concern. And I would call it fascination actually with this other person's life. You know, mm-hmm. part of being a good coach is you're genuinely interested. It's not just tactical. Uh, and it's not Freudian, you know, you're sitting there with your pad saying, oh, tell me more, tell me more. And what, what do you think that means? And so on, like, you're still mysterious and, and, you know, sort of psychoanalyzing. And you're still the guru who in the end is going to tell you what it all means. You know, um, I, for me, I think that's a, that's a massive shift here. Because we can still put people in one-to-one relationships and they can call it coaching, Right. But in the end, what they're still trying to do is deliver advice, not listen. Mm-hmm. 
And to me, that feels like a big, I mean, it sounds like what you're saying, certainly from our experience, that is the big shift is a move from giving advice to asking questions mm -hmm. to seeing the primary relationship here. I need to tell you essentially how to solve your problems, fix yourself, mm -hmm. improve, because I know mm -hmm. versus I don't know. You know, we go essentially from the role of expert to the role of novice. I don't know. I'm very curious because I don't know you well enough, your context, your situation, what you're thinking, what you should do. So, so tell me more, you know, tell me who you are. Tell me what you're, you, how you see your challenges. <clears throat> I think that's the interesting thing talking to you, Matthew, after, since you've come back and realizing the diverse groups of people that you've coached because you very easily go into different groups and go i have no clue about this i don't know how these things work i don't know how um how can i speak into this but actually you don't need to exactly yeah it makes you a good possibly yeah. makes you a good coach. exactly yeah. and, that, and that really i had that was a shift for me mm -hmm. because in a sense i mean i'm thinking of my class the class of 30 or class of 25 that were in the room and 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 people come in and it, we i think that's so often our stance as human beings it's what do i know and what can i bring mm. And the coach, in a sense, I remember this quote, they said, the coach is absolutely irrelevant and essential at the exact same time. That's good. So you're, you're there to create this space that don't underestimate the power of somebody speaking out loud when the attention is on them and the things they can, can unlock when that attention and that unconditional positive regard is on. But at the same time, we really op a coach should operate from the stance that the mind that contains the mind that contains the problem also contains the solution. Mm. It's not like that client has the problem and I, the coach have the solution. It's the solution is there, but you are, you're accompanying them, you're guiding them, you're helping them to, to unlock what that is. That's fascinating too. Cause mm. you, you could think of maybe another, um, dichotomy is sort of the consultant role, which still asks a lot of questions, is yeah. genuinely curious, can spend a lot of time listening so that I can deliver the answer. Yeah. Right. So it's the, the way you put it there, I think is really important. The mind that has the, contains the problem also contains the solution. So you're a guide in a sense to their own thinking. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And, and you, you've got to almost, so you got to swallow that insecurity that i so i you know i worked in africa with say ngos i don't know anything about international development i worked in the united nations don't know anything about that i worked in the uh, executive with a hotel having a clue about how to run a hotel i've never done that mm -hmm. and yet that's in a sense you're you, you shouldn't be asking technical questions it's about well where's this person now and where do they need to get to and so um, I, I liked what you said earlier. It, it is, I mean, we talk, some of our teachers in the diploma talked about the language of love and some people were uncomfortable about that. Mm -hmm. But you're essentially trying to bring, in, with coaching, you're bringing um, both heart and backbone. And I like the two words, the two C's. There's curiosity and courage. So the curiosity bit is everything you bring in, that unconditional positive regard, I'm going to, like I wrote down, uh, Plato said, be kind, everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. And you go in with that empathy uh, and you just it, tell me more, you're listening, you're, you are, you're 
you know, and what else asking one coach, I remember one coach said the three most powerful words in coaching and what else Mm -hmm. you're just, you're not, the first thing they say is probably not really what's going on. And you come in with that rapport and that warmth. And then the courage bit is, is the challenge. But again, it's not okay. Now that you've talked now, just shut up and I'll tell you the answers. It's, it's challenging as one coach said i like to mess with people's thinking it's helping it's helping people to think outside the box through the types of questions that you ask but again the types of questions that you ask open questions and in a sense not advice that's really like um so have you not thought of this that's a rhetorical yeah Yeah. rhetorical have you not have would you not do this like that's that is a question, but it's what, there's what, advice. What would it. you think about taking this tactic? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it. I think it's Michael Stanier who says that the three most important quest- words that you can say are, are "what else" and "what else" yeah, or, yeah, and yeah, "what yeah. else." Yeah. Uh, but he. But what's cool is he, he calls that the question of all. The question of all. So, I think that's really beautiful too. Like the. The idea of we're we're putting ourselves in a situation where we don't know you know we're, we're it's almost the, the the vastness of it the mystery of it the wonder of it as the coach like the motivation of the coach isn't to deliver the answers it is to start without knowing and and in a sense to be in awe of like tell me more what else is there i i you know i'm i'm curiosity but not it, it's it's more than just I'm curious. That's sort of vaguely interesting to me. But there's something more wondrous about walking with someone into their their struggle. So think think about it with us for a second, and maybe from the framework of ministry or mission. So clearly, you know, you can't. You're in the UN. You're not going to necessarily be thinking of this as a missional environment. <clears throat> But for those of us that are in the world of mission, we're trying to do something in Jesus' name or maybe even a church or something like that, or even, or even the shift of, say, a pastoral competencies, like people in primary church leadership who are now listening to us and saying, okay, I need to probably figure this out. You know, how do I coach? I mean, what insights would you have just from your experience? And if you thought of it maybe as a ministry competency, um, <clears throat> how does that affect it or what maybe, maybe there's even biblical precedent for this kind of thing. We're just not seeing it. Or, um, I guess the, the question to you too, Simon, like what, mm. where and how is coaching maybe useful for us mm. in ministry? Yeah. Cause I think the way we've seen church or done church is very much being that there's the church leader and the church decided maybe as a leadership team, if there is a team, but it's deciding this, what we're going to do and this is how we do it. And we need volunteers to do it. So it's very much, as you were saying earlier, with someone just saying this, what I need you to do. And they just tell them to do, which works to a certain extent, but coaching is different because you're, you're asking people for, for where they're at. And we, we talked about calling before. So I think the whole way we do ministry has to change. Like for a church leader to be thinking about how can I coach people in my church? How can I ask them what God might be saying to them? Um, trying to discern maybe where that is changes the model of how we do church. So I think it's, uh, but I think it is a crucial thing. I think Jesus asked lots of questions and he asked questions to get the disciples thinking and reacting and learning. So it wasn't, he didn't tell them. I, I, I can't remember the statistic, but there's a massive amount of questions Jesus asks in order to get them thinking and learning and understanding who he was and what they were to do. Um, so I think there is mm. some sort of precedence for it. Yeah. 
Well, and there's a, there's a triangulation too. It seems to me that of of the coach, the person being coached, and God, the presence of God, mm-hmm. somehow. So there is this third party mm-hmm. in those discussions, in those conversations, where God is trying to maybe illuminate something in their heart. So still, I think the answer is in there. Mm-hmm. But we're also kind of cooperating in a sense with God. And I know, I know for me, a part of what motivates me to maybe embrace coaching as a ministry competency is the return of the headship of Jesus to his church and to his people and a restoration of the priesthood of all believers to actually trust God's spirit in people and to not think, well, I need to tell everyone what to do. You know, there is one God and one mediator between God and man, and that is Christ Jesus. So if I really believe that, then I ought to tread carefully on telling people what to do in their spiritual lives, to sort of show up and be like, I know what you need to do. I know exactly what you need to do because I'm older than you or because I've walked longer than you or because I'm more spiritual than you or whatever. That's really like a a sketchy proposition. Now, I understand maturity does give us wisdom, expertise. We should share that. And maybe that's, that's a question I would put to you too, Matthew, is, you know, when, when do you deliver advice? You know, and maybe maybe in a professional coaching environment that that sort of takes one shape, uh, but even in ministry where you're trying to listen to the voice of God, and and we can and maybe should speak into each other's lives, mm-hmm. without without sort of I don't know undermining this 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 posture of coaching. Talk talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So maybe just one thing about uh, around ministry and coaching. And something that really drives me personally is when I look at the life of Jesus, I'm convinced that Jesus's interactions with people in the Gospels, I I feel like he's he's interested in in enabling people to become the best versions of themselves, and whether that's physical healing or mental healing, and and I just I think in coaching we're you're not you see it takes the pressure off you being in a sense the messiah for them but you've got you're 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 creating a conversation that will hopefully raise and help them accept personal responsibility for their own lives and this is a challenge because we're only responsible ultimately for ourselves and our habits and our emotions and our behaviors and any children we have over under the age of 18 <laughs> but Everything else, we're responsible to people, but we're not responsible for them. And sometimes I feel like if we go in and say, this is like, this is God's call for your life. I really think this is we're we're sometimes taking responsibility for them mm-hmm. and for what we think God's asking them to do. And in coaching, we're letting go of, well, this is what I think, but maybe that's not the direction they're potentially going in. And they ultimately have to take personal responsibility, and so I, I, <clears throat> I think there's a there's a choice in this, um, and that's always very important in coaching as well. Is that you, if somebody doesn't want to be coached, mm. you really can push it, mm. and so they call it a chemistry session in coaching, where you sit down and you see can we work together, and you talk about some of the things they love to do, and I think that is 
so important because if they don't want to take responsibility for going on this coaching journey, it's mm. kind of a waste of time in a way. So I think mm. there's that bit of helping people think about what accepting personal responsibility uh, for their lives um, and the role you play in that. And I think the other part is around self-awareness and raising self-awareness, self-knowing. Um, that that for me is one of the golden things about coaching. And I see it also in the spiritual life as well is as we get to know God, how do we get to know ourselves more? You've been listening to Mission Disco, a podcast by Praxis. This is the end of episode one of our January edition. Simon, Brian, and Matthew continue the conversation about coaching in episode two, which is also available now on Mission Disco Podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Praxis Movement or online at praxismovement.ie.